Before we get into today's episode of One Shining Podcast, want to shout out our friends at the Press Box Podcast. Of course, you know them well here at The Ringer. Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker, they get into all the biggest topics in the world of media and beyond. They go twice a week. Go check that out. I listen to it. Kyle listens to it. It's one of our favorite podcasts. And uh, Brian Curtis, friend of the program, love having him on. David Shoemaker, I used to produce The Masked Man Show. I've listened to this man talk about wrestling for hours and hours and hours, and I still love him. And it's not even my thing. That just goes to show how much I love both those guys. Uh, so go check out the Press Box podcast now. Again, it comes out twice a week wherever you find your podcast. And now, One Shining Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we are bringing it back, folks. We got a bad guy. We got a good guy. We got Kyle's guy. We got Kyle's guy, even, which is, uh, I'm excited about that. I want to see who's on the list. And uh, we got a conversation coming up with our old friend and a good guy himself and sometimes a bad guy, Kyle Mann. Um, and he's going to come on. We're going to talk about uh, what happened with the Bronny James commitment. Yeah, that's right. In case you missed it, Bronny James is going to USC. It's official. You heard it on this show. We've talked about it. Travis Branham came on, said that the clock was ticking and the clock finally ticked and he finally made his decision. So congratulations to Bronny James, a.k.a. LeBron James Jr. Uh, also, Adam Silver. We'll talk about him in the NBA. A lot of controversial calls, a lot of pushing and shoving, a lot of flopping. Uh, just a whole lot going on in the NBA playoffs. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, and like I said, we'll talk about John Calipari, which is always a fun part of this show. We got a jam-packed one for you today on One Shining Podcast. Kyle, anything else before we get into it? I yelled at a guy at Crypto.com Arena, but first, Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. Timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, welcome back into One Shining Podcast. It is a Monday morning. I am in the studio in Los Angeles at Spotify HQ with producer Kyle. Here. We're coming off a very loaded weekend of basketball topics and takes and things like that. But first and foremost, we're going to start with our bad guy of the week, our BAG guy of the week. Our long national nightmare is over. The last time you heard from us, we were asking questions. Where will Bronny James go? Where will he end up? When will this happen? The timeline changed. Uh, we'll get into the, the specifics of all that. But Kyle Mann, Bronny James to USC, the bad guy of the week. How you feel about that? 
I guess we kind of, we, we, for reasons maybe that will go unspoken, kind of, we felt strongly that this was going to happen for a while, Tate. You know, you kind of impressed on us that you thought this was going to happen. And I trust you. I trust all your info. You're, you're rock solid, rock solid guy, rock solid info. But I mean, it, it was kind of distilled down to, we were like, okay, Ohio State, Oregon, and th- those are all the, like, and then, you know, because Ohio State has kind of, adopted the the, Le, the there are lebron school yes they have um, a locker I mean, for lebron james let, let let us never forget the two most egregious things in sports that are happening right now one ohio state has a lebron james locker again he never played there two deuce tatum the son of jason tatum has a locker in the celtics locker room those are the two most egregious lockers happening right now in sports but continue Kyle, man just wanted to point that out <laughs> for the people which also continues the fun phenomenon of claiming players who didn't go to school, uh, which Kentucky has done a little bit too. We, we've got the T-Mac thing. That's the one we always like to talk about. Dirk Nowitzki, another one that we like to claim. Duke loves to claim Kobe Bryant. Always, um, always claiming yeah. Kobe Bryant. They're always saying that he is Coach K's Michael Jordan. We're like, he did not play at Duke. In fact, he said he would have played at North Carolina in his last conversation about this with Jimmy Kimmel because he wanted to go up against Vince Carter every day. Regardless, Kobe Bryant was not going to play at either one of those schools. So like you said, this is a very blue blood thing that we do where we can't let anybody just be independent, right? We have to claim somebody. We have to put our flag down and say he would have gone to Kansas. He would have been a UCLA guy. You know, UCLA, right? They they try to claim LaMelo Ball at this point. It happens all the time. I haven't heard that one. That's a pretty good one by UCLA. That's my UCLA fans uh, that are are friends of mine. They try to claim LaMelo Ball and I'm like you can't do this you can't especially after LiAngelo and what you did to him in China you cannot claim LaMelo oh man yeah thank God Trump saved the day on that one right uh, <laughs> great apology I'll say one of my, one of my favorite only... apologies in basketball history right there <laughs> yeah uh, yeah, that you'll, that's one sentence you'll probably never hear me say again anyway. But, um, yeah, it, it, it had kind of like distilled down to, it was a, it was a narrow uh, range of outcomes and, and it got to the point where it seemed like USC was kind of seen as the pick, um, USC, I mean, they have a history of, uh, of these sort of, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you want to approach this tape, but I mean, they do have, they do have a pretty good one and done history, surprisingly for, for being a school that's kind of been. I mean, their their good teams have been sort of hit and miss. They've been here, here and there, and they'll have these stretches. It's but then they'll have these sort of one off talents that are phenomenal, like you know, Demar Derozan, and then OJ Mayo, and then Evan Mobley, and now, but now they're going to have a twosome here with uh with with Bronny and with Isaiah Collier, which I think all of America is going to get familiar with Isaiah Collier next year because this is this is a backcourt duo. I mean, they're roughly the same size, about six, you know, well, Bronny's probably six one, if you ask some, some, some skeptics, uh, but you know, th- this is going to be a fun offensive back backcourt duo because I think they feed into each other because Bronny is sort of a natural, like make the right play type guy. He doesn't, he defers, he doesn't force the issue and Collier likes to go wild and score. So I think, I think it's going to be a fun fit and it's going to be interesting to see where it, uh, USC goes from here. Yeah, one name that you didn't mention was O.J. Mayo, and uh, I remember the slam cover it was circulating yesterday, the Fresh Prince of L.A. That is exactly what Bronny James is stepping into. O.J. Mayo was one of those guys that obviously became famous for talking shit to Michael Jordan in a pickup game, right? That was his 
That was kind of the folklore that was around him. He's not afraid of MJ. He was going at MJ. He apparently outscored MJ in this battle. And, you know, OJ Mayo had these moments in his career that were sliding doors moments. He almost made the 2010 USA team. I think he did make the team before some off-the-court stuff, you know, kept him from playing. But Bronny steps in. He is the fresh prince, like you said. He is the one that is going to get the headlines. Um, And speaking of headlines, here are our headlines that we saw when Bronny commits. If you type in college basketball and you go, go to the news tab right now, it is all Bronny James. There is nothing else. Nothing else happened in college basketball. Hunter Dickinson, we're sorry. Your video didn't work. Bronny James committed. Get over it. We got to we got to get to that. We need we probably should do a little. I don't know. We're not trying to do a rewatchables. I'm not trying. You know, <laughs> I, I don't want to go too far down and get, and get sued within our own company, quote unquote sued. Um, but we definitely need to talk about the Hunter Dickinson video. I know Kyle had some thoughts, too. Yeah, there's continue take. There's some bigger yeah. questions there. Uh, we'll get into that later. But here are the headlines for Bronny. Uh, this is from The New York Times. Bronny James commits to USC as father dreams of an NBA meetup. So it's not just that LeBron, you know, James Jr. committed. It is that LeBron James is ready, uh, is waiting, is pending his arrival to the NBA. This is uh, another headline from ESPN. Bronny James, the number 19 recruit in 2023, commits to USC. Again, and then he's number 21 in the 247-247 rankings. Um, If you put those together, he is a top 20 recruit. That is the narrative, right? Bronny James ends his run as a top 20 recruit. And and this is the quote from Gavoni, um, which I, I'm getting close to calling Gavoni Paola because here it is. Um, it, we're, we're getting close here. Uh, you wasted too, no time. To many NBA scouts, James has solidified himself as a clear NBA player down the road. This is Jonathan Gavoni putting that out there. He is a clear and present danger to the rest of the NBA. He is on his way. Bronny James, watch out. So these are the these are the three big talking points um, coming out of the commitment, which, again, congratulations to Bronny James. Uh, long-awaited commitment. But now we have the larger questions, which is where we need to start. You mentioned Isaiah Collier. They also have Boogie Ellis coming back. And I would presume, Kyle Mann, that Boogie Ellis would not come back to USC without the assumption that he would be a starter. I would also assume, Kyle Mann, that the number two player in the class of 2023 would not be coming to USC under any other, you know, idea than he will be a starter. Now, I look at a backcourt. There are two spots there. I look at Bronny James. I I know LeBron James. We all know LeBron James. There is no world in which, Kyle Mann, that Bronny James Jr. is, (laughs) is going to go to USC and not be a starter, I would assume. So we have a predicament already. We already have controversy. Bronny James commits, and now we're already talking about, well, is he going to start? Is he a one-and-done guy? And and the questions already start to unravel a little bit. Now I ask you, I mean, is Bronny James such a um, pass-first, make-the-right-play guy that he's willing to come off the bench for USC? And will that be a conversation and a controversy? Because I assume it would be, knowing what I know about LeBron. I, that's it's tough. It's tough. I mean, if you looked at the three of those guys, you you automatically are just thinking, well, I mean, you know, Bronny's Bronny's a decent defender, pretty. I mean, for high school level, he's a good defender. But if you look at the three of them, you're like, yeah, I mean, the, your basketball brain it's dissonant. It doesn't work. It's if, at at first, unless you start thinking like, okay, and this is the one that people always reference. But are, are you're thinking, okay, are they going to go, you know, oh five, oh six, or sorry, even earlier than that, uh, like oh five Nova, a team that I know you're familiar. But that, that was probably a formative game, by the way, on a on a bullshit 
you know, charge call at the end of that game with with UNC and Villanova. Do you remember that one? Time, I vividly? remember that game. I remember I uh, I was watching it with my family and I got up, I threw a pillow, I called Roy Williams a Poindexter, and then I went to my room and uh, was about to start crying because uh, I was like, we lost this game, we blew it. This is the year we're supposed to win the national championship. Kyle Lowry, great game by Kyle Lowry. We can talk about him a little bit when we get into the good guy of the week. But um, yeah, that was like you said, very formative game. It was a game that felt like it was completely out of reach. And, uh, you know, North Carolina twice in, o- in 05 and 09, they get Villanova. They beat Villanova. And that's why when in 2016, when Chris Jenkins hit the shot, there was some sort of like karmic, you know, reasoning behind sure. it. Right. That, that's why a lot of people were like, how does that shot not, you know, make your stomach turn and churn and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, well, I remember 2005. 09 was different because they dominated everybody. But the 05 game especially, it felt like, Villanova was going to win that game. It was going to be a big upset. And then somehow North Carolina survives. They win the title. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, anyway, yeah, <laughs> pointing back to the, yeah, the, the traumas we always like overlook like right. the thing before. I don't know the, the, what's funny too, with like the, the Wisconsin trauma that UK fans went, went through They They always overlook the fact that they hit a game winner to beat Wisconsin in the final four, literally the year before with like the same team. I digress. But anyway, you know, you're talking about like multiple, multiple guard lineups. One people point to frequently is that is that Nova guard lineup. And a lot of those guys were like combos at, at best. You know, there they weren't like pure twos in there. They were all kind of roughly the same size and they all play together. You think about that. I mean, they could they could play together. There's no rule against that. They could they could go big at four, at four and five and sort of compensate so that they're more switchable. But I could see I mean, I could see Brawny coming off the bench and then them them just like tackling the PR angle of that and just like you know, oh my God, what a, you know, and even if he's productive, he comes in and they're just like, wow, what a, what a selfless player. I, I mean, I could see them playing that angle. Um, but I don't know if you're looking at who's most likely to come off the bench, like you said, surely it's not a 22 year old Boogie Ellis who came back to, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, what, I don't know. It seems most likely that Bronny would come off the bench. So maybe, uh, maybe I disagree with you there. I don't know. Yeah, we're in a situation where, you know, maybe the Baylor team from 2021, you can point to and say with Butler and Teague and Mitchell, maybe you say Bronny is the Davion Mitchell of this group where he's kind of like a guy who's defensively going to take that, you know, ownership on that end of the court. But not a lot of freshmen are going to do that. Right. And Boogie Ellis is the point guard of this team. Isaiah Collier is probably going to be the leading scorer on this team. So in general, you know, those three are going to be a topic of conversation. There might be a world in which, you know, Boogie Ellis does come back. And unfortunately for him, he's sitting on the bench and Bronny and Isaiah Collier are starting and they have this freshman backcourt and we're all excited and we're all talking about it. Um, Kyle and I were at the Lakers game, the, the Lakers Warriors game, game three. We were very fortunate to be there. Bronny James was in the building, Kyle, man. They show him on the big screen on the Jumbotron and, uh, you know, the crowd is, is cheering. They're excited. The next cut is to Andy Enfield. He's wearing all black, looking like the ultimate bad guy. Looks like he just got done with a mafioso move. You know what I mean? But uh, we had a guy behind us, right, Kyle, that that started booing Bronny James. And then yeah. what did you do? Kyle, Kyle was boots on the ground defending Bronny from day one, just well, for the people out at there. At the end of the day, you got to remember these are just kids, right? Yes. The, yes, so we're I, for always, the kids. I did always, have to shout. door for every argument. I yeah, did have sure. to shout, yeah. shut the fuck up. Um, he was a plus oh, one. You were telling me to shut the fuck up. No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> I I, like, yeah, Kyle, I do have to say shut the fuck up. I'm not done telling the story. Um, I found out beforehand that he was a plus one and not a Spotify employee. He was a plus one to a Spotify employee who was actually kind of Spotify adjacent. I'm never going to run into this guy. Uh, and it was more like, um, 
You know, like uh, in a, a movie theater when somebody's talking, like it's usually one of those. It's like you lean back and you go, shut the fuck up. Like it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like I turned around. It was like, you shut the fuck up. Yeah, it wasn't a finger in the face. It wasn't a wag. It was it, just, yeah. uh, he was just annoying. And it was like, nobody's going to say anything to this guy. And uh, I was in front of him, so I didn't have to turn around. And I just it was just a shut the oh. fuck up. And then he stopped. Hey, this is interesting. This is interesting, Kyle. Hold on. Okay, so how much experience do you guys have with in in that situation, are you the person that will do will do the lean back and say the shut? Like, do you have a, a healthy history of that, Kyle? I don't think so. It just it just felt natural, you know. I, maybe I did it in a movie theater one time when, like, mm. you know, there's like you know people like talking for you know. You're a stomp the yard, and it was and you're you look around, you're like, is he, are these people serious? You know, <laughs> like nobody's yeah. gonna say anything. But that one, it just I just I got upset. I, I don't know. It was. Uh, Maybe it was be also because, like, you know, we were in a box, Spotify box, shout out. So, you know, he, he, the guy was pretty amplified. He wasn't really getting drowned out like, uh, you know, he would have if we were down at Gen Pop. So, um, I don't Gen know. Gen Pop, It yeah. just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It just felt right. I don't regret it. Uh, I'm glad that he he's not an employee. Uh, so, uh, sorry to whoever's boyfriend. I, well, I did that. And I think it was a husband. You guys, I think it was a husband. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. He was representing Spotify, and we can't have them repping the Swedes like that. That's a they're a peaceful Terrible. people. I didn't, you know, I don't think that it, it's appropriate. Um, I I, was I actually forgot I say, did it. Tate reminded me today. <laughs> great moment, great moment. Did you? Were there like a couple of Lagunitas in? I mean, sometimes you can forget. I mean, is I that, mean, Kyle one had one rule as he came into the suite, and I think your rule was what not to drink. And the first thing he did was go get. It a wasn't Bud Light. not to drink. Bill said, "Don't embarrass me." <laughs> He just said, don't and, embarrass And he, me. honestly, he did not embarrass I think I stood it. up for him. No, I, I think, if anything, you looked like the the one who was the good guy. I who mean, was you, raised right. Right, yeah. You you said Honorary you, you do not talk bad about a 17-year-old kid, especially. Uh, <laughs> I when should his be the good guy of the week, the, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I really should be the you good guy. You will be honorable mention good guy of the week, All right, for thanks. sure. I uh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, I'm I going to confess something, and that is that I do have a history of this. Um, <laughs> oh, you're a big shut the fuck up guy? <laughs> well, okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't, I think I maybe get this from my mom. I don't know if she'll appreciate me saying this, but it, it's a, it's not, it's not an unchecked thing where you yell at something. If I'm in a situation in a movie theater, at a concert, at a basketball game where someone is being extra, extra, you know, and yeah, yeah. making everybody else have a bad time and it goes on for long enough. If I get the sense that no one else wants to cross that line, I almost take on this like martyr lay on the tripwire <laughs> attitude where I'm like, everybody's having a bad time. I'm going to, I'll take the fall here and be the jerk so that this You're person the fall will guy. stop. Yeah. Whatever I'll happens, happens, but I'm doing this for the people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, one example I can think of is, uh, there's this, there's this, uh, band destroyer. I like a lot. And this guy was doing an acoustic show as opposed to his full band. This was in Lexington right. and it was quiet in this room. It was quiet. So a lot of people there and, this guy was up at the front playing his songs, you know, and it's one of those things where, A, just don't talk during a show like that. But there was a guy who was loudly like Phil Jackson level whistling during this concert, <laughs> like during and it went on for a long time. And he just kept filling in the parts that weren't there because it was acoustic. And it went and you could tell he was proud of himself and it kept going on and going on and going on. And I finally leaned over to him and I just went, can you not? I just like looked him dead in the eyes and he got this like big eyed look like, wow, can't believe somebody did that. But I mean, I'm just saying in theaters over the years, uh, if it's gone on, I'll, I'll definitely say like, Hey, shut up. No one can, you know, I'll do it. I'm not afraid to do it. I, I'm willing to do it. It's, it doesn't make me feel good, but I'm willing to do it. So yeah. if this gets back to bill. You got my back basically is what you're saying. Mm. You're vouching for me. 
Yeah, I think so. If right. it was, I mean, you got a family. It's a big deal control. for me, so thanks. <laughs> you stick your neck out there. I, I think you were on the right side of history, to you use too. the Bill Simmons maxim. You know what I mean? I think you <laughs> were on the right side of history. Um, you defended Bronny James. And if anything, I think that opens the door. And I was talking to Kyle about this. I was going back and forth. I'm, I am a, you know, confessed UCLA guy. Mick Cronin, I said he was going to do good at the job. He's doing great at the job. I believe you in UCLA. You get the pullover. Yeah, yeah, I'm a UCLA guy. But, uh, you know, when USC got Bronny, I'm looking at Kyle, and I love Isaiah Collier. He's my number one guy in the class. I know, you know, 24-7 has Ron Holland number one. Collier's really the number one player after everything I've seen in the 2023 class. And so I'm looking at Kyle. I'm like, are we USC guys? Kyle's, like, trying to talk me off the ledge. Again, we're available but, for any type of cool shit for right. either UC, right. USC, UCLA. Hey, even uh, Northridge, uh, this my is, guys. This is bad guy of the week. We can be bald. We have always said totally. this. You can always like get care it on the can yeah. be bought, right? LMU like, bought me years ago. I'm a booster at LMU. Uh, they got me Final Four tickets a couple years ago in New Orleans. I mean, shout out to our guy, uh, Craig Pinton's over there, the AD, legendary guy. You know, I mean, this is bad guy of the week. USC, step up, make something happen. Um, and speaking of, you know, we had Travis Branham on. I asked him about Bronny James. He said he's running out of spots, right? At USC, they were holding the scholarship. They were looking around. His NIL valuation, which Jim Laranega told us is all BS anyway, is $7.2 million. Kyle Mann, on the record right now, how much did USC give Bronny James to get this commitment? Do we, do we think it's $7.2 million? Because I don't know if they gave him anything. He's one of those guys that, like, I don't know that they needed to. It's just, it's kind of like, what do you, what are you recruiting? Like, Bronny James is never going to want for money in his life, right? So it's kind of right. like, is, is, and it, he's a Nike athlete already. So he's already got one bag, you know, on his side. But just knowing USC at our core, right? You mentioned all these players. I mean, think about the football players over the years. I mean, USC, you know, they're a private school for a reason. They know what the bag is, they know how to drop the bag. They've always done this. This is their game. So something had to happen. As I said, Indy, Andy Enfield's there at the Lakers game. You know, kind of the wink, wink. We know what happened here. Bad guy of the week move. But I just wonder, because of the timeline, I was told by my sources, Bronny James was supposed to commit three days prior to when he did commit. And when he didn't mm -hmm. commit, USC kind of, you know, said, said to the team, um, hey, uh, we don't know what's going on here, but, you know, we got other people that are interested in this scholarship. And if you guys aren't going to pull the trigger, then we will. And then this happens. So I feel like the leverage was kind of lost on Bronny's side. I think, you know, from Bronny's perspective, you know, maybe UCL USC was not his number one choice. I think it was the narrative, the brand, the, the powers that be's number one choice. Um, so the timeline is all kind of thrown off. And in general, I think everyone, you know, when it happened, you're saying to yourself, USC, Bronny, bag drop, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know about the leverage. I, I don't know if this actually happened. And if Bronny's just going to USC for collegiate purposes, as LeBron said, he said, I'm super proud of him. Um, our family is proud of him. For me personally, it's even more special because it's the first time someone out of the family has gone to college, right? So yeah. LeBron was doing the, the. I mean, you know, talk about a humble guy of the week. I mean, what a... What a beautiful, you know, moment for father, son. That doesn't sound like a bag drop to me, even though all signs point to it has to be because it's USC and Bronny James. So my brain is breaking, Kyle, man, as I try to put this together. The puzzle's not making sense. All the, all the right actors are in play, but I'm not sure the usual play actually happened. I think a lot of things can be true at once, Tate. And this is a thing that is really hard for society at times. Uh, <laughs> I think that, you know, this can be true. I think uh, the, the L.A. part of it is keep him close to the to the the clutch tentacles. You can, you know, maintain control. 
Bronny or you know LeBron can easily more easily come see home games. I just I just think closer to the nest is powerful, but I also th- I'm sure money changed hands. We know that it does. It's more out in the open than it ever was. I don't even know that it needed to be nefarious though, like a qu- heavy quote nefarious. Uh, I mean, it didn't need to be like you know, behind the scenes kind of a thing. It's there's so much above board money with Bronny that I'm sure he's doing fine. They checked a lot of boxes at once here. So it makes, it makes sense for them and good for, you know, good for the pack, you know, good for pack 10, pack 12. Are we up to 12 now? Is that the number pack Pack 12? But I mean, they're going to be the, they're going to be part of the big 10 very soon. Right. So Bronny, I mean, I guess it's good for, you know, all all the Ohio state fans that are upset right now, they're saying at least Bronny's playing in the big 10, right? At least we can see him uh, in our conference. Maybe that's the way that they can create some solace. But from my sources, Kyle, man, he only had two choices. He had either USC or Ohio state. I think he wanted potentially to go to Oregon, but Oregon didn't give him a scholarship. He didn't have a spot at Oregon, which is kind of interesting, even though LeBron told us he could call any team and get Bronny on it because he's that good. I'm not sure that was the case, right? And and USC, it kind of fell into their laps. And I, I just want to see how much Andy Enfield is going to turn his focus to the Bronny James narrative. You know what I mean? How much is that going to be a central point of USC next year? I feel like it inevitably has to be and will be but also, you have the number two player in the class, and I feel like he's going to end up being the actual star, right? I mean, you're, you're going to watch these games, and you're going to say, take all the names off the back of the jersey. You're saying, oh, I, I think that guy, number four, is is the number one. Is that is that Bronny? And it's like, no, that's Isaiah Collier. But I think I think it might like mess people's brains up to think that maybe Bronny's doing all this stuff or making Isaiah Collier look good. He makes his teammates better, Kyle, man, right? This is This is the conversation that will be happening next year. And it, it already starts today, right? I mean, that that's really the the big news about town is that the Bronny James narrative starts now. Get on board. Um, it's a conversation point. I can't wait till I get my first picture of, you know, LeBron working out at the, Ga- at the Galen Center, right? Down at USC, him putting up shots with Bronny. And, you know, it's like family, heart emoji, right, from USC. We we all know it's coming. We all We all see the writing on the wall. Um, and maybe there's a world in which USC puts a locker up for LeBron James. And now we yeah, have Ohio we State and USC trying to claim LeBron. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Go ahead and just see, see how many lockers you can get across the country. I, I think that's an admirable goal for for LeBron at this point in his career. You might as well. You've accomplished. You're on every list, right? You might as well just go ahead and try to check all the if it's almost like basketball for LeBron is kind of becoming one of those video games where you're like, Oh, you're, you're done with the story, but you know, there's all these, the last 50% are all these little things, these little side missions and uh, achievements you can do. That's kind of where LeBron, I feel like that's the last thing for LeBron to do is just get a locker in all these schools. Um, yeah. I mean, the, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like in the short term, in the short term, looking at USC is, is call. You're probably going to pop more for them. Uh, than than Bronny will. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to predict that that's going to be the case. I feel like look, Bronny is just a more subtle player. I think when you watch him, he's more of a connector. He's more. He's not a guy who like is, is on ball insistent. But something else that we were kind of talking about in our group chat was uh, was just that like this high school class in general is not very good. Um, and that's a thing that if you're if you're thinking about the upside, the the tippy top. Uh, level of of his trajectory, his ceiling, how good he could get. Um, I don't know. Like in in other years, there's th- this is just a down class, Tate. In my opinion, and if, it seems like that is kind of the the opinion across the spectrum. That we could look back and be like, "Wow, we were wrong," because sometimes that happens, even with like draft classes. 
But uh, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical about him being a star, but I'm pretty I, I'm kind of in the middle of the road on like he could be he could be a solid like just a, an NBA role player, which is nothing to sneeze at. You know, there's a lot of role players in this class. In fact, Ron Holland, who I told you was the sure thing in this class to me, he feels like uh, maybe he's a starter, but he's more of a role player. Um, all right. That's good. That's the bad guy of the week. Bronny James. We learned a lot. Shout out to Nike for getting the deal done. Um, that's how you do it. Just do it. Um, they're working overtime over there. Good guy of the week, a guy who's going to be working overtime, trying to control the narrative, trying to help everything that's happening in the NBA world. A lot of conversations about flopping, a lot of conversations about charges. And, uh, you know, I'll say this. Good guy of the week, Adam Silver. Uh, they're coming after him. The Hawks are circling. And I want to defend Adam Silver because, again, I think he is a good guy. That's why he's good guy of the week. He wants to do the right thing, Kyle, man. And I think that is something that we've all seen. Over and over again. That's why he wins the PR war. That's why journalists like you and I are like Adam Silver is a good guy. We all say that. We really like him. Best commissioner, you know, of the big four commissioners. But here's the thesis statement on why he's good guy of the week. Adam Silver wants to do the right thing, but because he's a Duke guy, his right is wrong. And that's why flopping, moving screens, and charges are incentivized in the NBA today. When you've been taught and you've been, um, you know, put in this world of spin zone, that this is how you play basketball and this is how you win basketball games. This is what you get. This is the product that comes out of it. Bullshit is what it is. You know what I mean? That is that is the only word that can describe what the NBA is currently incentivizing. We saw it once, right, with the Marcus Smart uh, charge that he gets on Joel Embiid, even though he slides at the end. He's outside of the restricted area, but he does slide there right at the end. We get a charge. They review it. It stays a charge. I wonder why, because... At the top, the guy at the top says that is a charge. By everything that I know about basketball in Adam Silver terms, that is a charge. It's not his fault. That's just what he's been indoctrinated in. Again, his right is wrong. Right logic, wrong pick. That is who he is. That is what's happening at wow. the highest level. Also, owner, Matt Ishbia, right? He gets the ball. This is very Duke. You hold on to the ball. You stop the fast break. You try to game the game, right? He's a walk-on. He he is learning from Tom Izzo, a friend of Mr. K, a guy who also incentivizes flopping I was going to say, do you think Izzo texted Ishbia later that night and was just like, hey, that's not our brand? Or do you think that, you know, are you, so you're saying as a, as an extension of, uh, as a friend of Coach K, that this is like an infection, that like it infected I'm Izzo. I'm not saying it's it their infected. fault, but they know what gets rewarded. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. That This is the problem. It's not that this is their philosophy. They just know that this philosophy works and it goes all the way to the top. And again, it's not Adam Silver's fault. He's a good guy. His right is wrong. And Ishbia, I mean, flop of the century right there. Mr. K at home must have, you know, stood up in his living room and given a standing ovation and said, that's why we play the game, folks. That's how we play basketball. That's what we like to see. Um, so those two moments. And then, uh, you know, the cherry on top for the, in, the incentivizing of bad basketball, but getting rewarded for such things. The Tatum push-off, right? I mean, a perfect example of Tyrese Maxey, a Kentucky guy, a blue-collar guy, a blue-blood kid, gets a push-off, but doesn't sell it, Kyle, man. Doesn't flop. Because he, he's a man of integrity. Because that, that is person. not what he has been taught. That is not the right way to him. That's not what Pat, that's not what Pat Riley preaches as a Kentucky no. guy. That's not what Larry Brown preaches as a North Carolina guy, right? That's not what our guy John Wooden would preach in the pyramid of success, right? That that would not happen. And all three of those instances, three strikes and you're out, and you're good guy of the week, your right is wrong. 
I don't know how we fix this. We can talk about each one. Maybe we start with the the Ishbia um, uh, situation. I'm not mad at him. Again, you're gaming the game. Respect the game. I understand it. But when I saw it live, I'm like, Jokic should have pushed him. I don't blame him. The guy's holding the ball. Jokic tries to grab the ball. He then puts his hands on him. And Jokic didn't really push him that hard. But again, what do we reward in this NBA today? Flopping. Ishbia goes down. I mean, he soon enough, he's going to be the face of NBA owners at this rate. He knows what he's doing. He's playing the long game. I respect it. But again, at the top, the right is wrong. What What were your thoughts when you saw this happen live? Sorry, I'm fired up, Kyle, man. You are very fired I'm up. I'm shot when, out of a when, cannon right now. When Ishbia, you're talking about what, what were my thoughts when Ishbia When Ishbia down? flops. That's the first one we'll talk about. What happened? What what runs through your mind? Do you say block? Do you say charge? Do you say technical? Do you say flagrant? Do you say throw out Jokic? Uh, I mean, initially I was I looked to see where his feet were and if he had like gotten there, you know, in time. If he was in legal fan position, maybe we need <laughs> to invent some kind of system for that. Where that was that fan moving? Were they in legal position? Mm. You know, I don't know. I think that's he slid a, his feet. Kind of, I think he slid his feet. I think it was a very was, Marcus Smart play. Well, he you know he was a walk on PG at a power five, so I'd assume he that that's a guy who knows a lot, and you could tell he was in his comfort zone when he, when he went down on that one. I thought, uh, you know, I, this is an interesting. I, I don't want the show to become like basketball info wars, but maybe I do, Tate. Maybe I do. <laughs> I, I just was watching the passion in your eyes and um, the idea that this goes all the way to the top. That uh, that that Adam Silver is sort of like manipulating the entire league because of his affiliation and his sort of like you know being a member of the the congregation of the cult of Chashevsky of Mr. K. I'm not going to act like it's a crazy idea. Uh, I, I think that it's it's got some validity to it. You make a compelling argument here. Um, I don't know. I need maybe I need to go back and review some of the tape and sort of uh, get as learned as you are on this one. I'm not. I'm not totally sure. I'm just saying this right now. If Adam Silver saw that play, he says that's a good charge. You take that charge. When he sees Marcus Smart, he's like, that's a good play. You take that charge. When he sees Tatum's push off, he's like, that's a good basketball move, right? And again, not his fault. That's why he's good guy of the week. I really do think he wants to do the right thing. It's just what happens when the right thing is wrong. And and we all have to deal with, you know, the, the ripple effect, right? It goes all the way through the entire league. Marcus Smart, he literally won the Hustle Award. What the hell is the Hustle Award? <laughs> I don't know what that is. When did they invent this? I don't, I don't know. And, and, and here's my pitch. If you have the Hustle Award, what about the Heart Award? What about the Head Award, a.k.a. the Jason Kidd Award? Because... Matt Ishbia, you just won the head award. You know what I mean? What what a headsy play. What a move. You know, and he tweeted uh, Ishbia today. And shout out to Ishbia because he went on Bill Simmons' podcast. I really like the interview. I really like the guy. I like the conversation. He's very candid. Public right? beef? Come on. Public beef? This is what we want. Him and Jokic having a little rod of time. I mean, Jokic's brothers are going to be sitting behind him next oh, game. Man. No doubt about it. No doubt about what it. What would have happened? This, this is wrestling. What would have happened? I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what's going to happen. But all I know is he did tweet some damage control. He's trying to get ahead of it. Smart of him. He's like, do not suspend Jokic. Uh, that was a basketball play. Again, might have been a charge. Um, but you Who know, is he referring to when he said basketball play? It's a like basketball what, play. What he's just in the game. I, I saw Rosillo, uh, and you recorded Rosillo. He, he basically was saying that um, Ishbia, when he touched the ball, he had like a flashback <laughs> yeah, to being a player. That was the most insane shit. That was that was the greatest argument I've ever heard. Uh, that he 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 just was yearning to touch the ball. It's like that was a natural feeling. Once it's in your hands, you can't stop. You it. can't let you can't <laughs> get let go of the ball. You know what I mean? And I think 
that moment in time is is why Ishbia I respected at, at a high level, and it's not his fault. He's just trying to curry favor with the commissioner who would reward such behavior. And a technical felt like the right way to do it. I think both guys should have got a technical. I think Ishbia probably should have been sent to the back. You know, it's like, get get out of here for the rest of the game. You can't sit here. Um, yeah, you're a wild card now. You're a wild card. You're, you're crazy. And all I know is at, at a higher level, Mark Cuban's jealous. You know what I mean? I was good, literally <laughs> just going to say that. Mark Cuban has to be watching this and being like, uh, it like should have been me. It should have yeah, been me. Like, he should. He's probably watching this and just being like the piss and vinegar in this guy. He probably is just so excited that, or just, yeah, like or just really, really jealous. Maybe this is good for you know. There were a lot of people whenever you know when whenever Rick was at U of L, they said that it was good for Cal. That it was good for it, it got the best out of Cal. It riled him up. We might we might be getting ready to see uh, some epic Mark Cuban. That's all I'm saying. He might he might be like this might be a time where he's going to up his game and and give us the Cuban that that we uh, that we remember because this is you you want to talk about a splash. We always talk about like the new owner splash with the trades and things. Ishbia has made one of the bigger splashes I feel like in his interest into the league, you know, in, uh, in recent memory that I can think of. Yeah, it's unbelievable and uh one thing that I kind of like the the novice, you know, part of my fandom that I kind of got broken as I got more into the basketball space is right. You convince yourself that like a GM is making decisions or like a president of basketball operations is making decisions. And sure they are making decisions, but in reality what are they making? They're making suggestions. And they're making suggestions to the owner and the owner is going to make every decision and I think, you know, we put the whole, you know, we, it's kind of like a false front, right? It, the, the wizard is behind the sheet, right? And that's the owners. But then we put on the whole show and we say, oh, the Wizard of Oz, we love it, da 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 But in reality, these owners make deci- decisions and they're going to be the ones that are going to stick their neck out and say, this is what we're going to do. And I like that Ishbia says, cut out the middleman. James Jones isn't doing anything. I'm making the decisions. I want to win now. It's my voice. It's my team. It's me. It's me. It's me. I think we need more of that. And I like that the owners are, are, he's one of these owners that wants to stick his neck out there. It used to just kind of be Cuban. You know, maybe you see a Mickey Arison every once in a while. Maybe you see a Genie Bus. You know, obviously Joe Lake of light years ahead, right? We've had owners kind of say things and be out there. You know, Vivek, right? Light the beam. That was his, he took credit for the whole idea, right? Finally, a big win for Vivek. Right. He After needed years it. and he, years of abuse. Yes. Yeah. And, and being little brother to the Warriors. And he got something right this year. But, Ishbia seems like he he's cutting out all the chatter early on. He's like, this is about me. These are my decisions. I'm a basketball guy making basketball decisions. And I do respect it. And the fact that he's mixing it up with the MVP and Jokic, not this year, but just in general, he is an MVP. I just think that's good TV. It's good drama. And as long as Jokic isn't suspended and there's no kind of like, um, you know, fallout from this that actually affects the basketball, I'm okay with it. And at this point, the basketball is so infected with Duke bias that I don't know what we can do. I, I don't know how we save it. I don't know how we fix it. But I know Adam Silver's a good guy, and he's going to try to figure it out. That, that's that's kind of the, uh, the, the full wrap on the story, Kyle, man. We can get into the details. We can talk about you know, the push off, we can talk about the charge, we can talk about, you know, all this sort of stuff. But in reality, it always goes back to the top. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know where it ends. I don't know how it ends. I, I don't know um, how long this can last. But if anyone wants to point the finger, point it at Mr. K. Yeah, I, you're talking about it like basketball has this like inoperable sort of like foreign body. And yes, you feel like you feel like there's no way for us to remove this without like 
is is the is the host going to die? Basically, mm. like that's kind of the way you're talking about basketball. Or is this going to be like? It's just going to take generations for the for the poison of Coach K, sorry, Mr. K, to, to sort of wash away. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like a short-term fix. I don't know what school Mark Tatum went to, but I think it's time for Tatum to step up. And maybe that's a Tate bias um, that I have there, but I think Mark Tatum as the number two guy. Maybe he steps in, takes some of the heat. Maybe Adam Silver even goes the next level above him. He's not the commissioner of the NBA, but he's like a senior advisor to the NBA. He gets the heat off him, gets the smoke off him, and then, you know, maybe things change a little bit. Maybe when people don't think that the leader is biased with his own infected basketball brain, they may act accordingly because the flopping is insane right now. I mean, it really is. It's on another level. And, you know, you we saw it, Kyle. We saw it live. Uh, it happened right in front of us. We're watching the Lakers-Warriors game. These guys are going to get whiplash, Kyle, man. The head, the head, the way they whip their heads back. I mean, no one touches him, and Jordan Poole is, I mean, he's all the way here. Austin Reeves yeah. is all the way there. Sorry, Kyle. Kyle loves Austin Reeves. Don't want to talk bad about him. But in general, it's not their fault. It's just what is incentivized in the NBA, and that goes all the way to the top. Well, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever read the uh, the Freakonomics thing, but they talk a lot about, like, incentivizing people. It's it's a powerful, it's a powerful drug. You know, people, if you if you incentivize them, they're, they're more prone to do the, the behavior that's, uh, that that is being incentivized you know it it just guides behavior basically i probably botched that i'm not really good about remembering <laughs> things and details like that but uh I, i'm just saying that you know what's incentivized is is what's going to happen and i think that you're right i think we got to de-incentivize it you mm. know I, I think that's the move he goes all the way to the top again good guy of the week adam silver i love that he wants to do the right thing i just want to reiterate that but again his right is wrong so how do we stop him from doing that i don't know maybe we we get him on opposite day or something like that um, well, I, Tate, a lot of villains think they're doing good. Right. You know, right. There's a fine. I mean, a super like what are Thanos. the Yeah. What is the What do the Dark Knight say? You know what I mean? You live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Right. That's, that's right. That's what's happening. Adam Silver is a good guy. He wants to do the right thing, but he's top dog now and they're trying to please the top dog and the top dog has a broken brain and uh, yeah. it's not his fault. It just it's from the basketball that he witnessed and watched. And guess what, folks? It worked. Brian Zubek. He moved. He had moving screens all the way to a title. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. Man, man, Zub Zubek catching strays. Uh, this uh, well, that, that's not even a stray. You aimed it at him. You know that was that was yeah. uh, that was. You went out of your way to, to out of respect into because this. sometimes it works. And, and, and same respect to Marcus Smart. Sometimes I don't like it, but damn, does it work? I mean, I, I see it work all the time. And and let me tell you this. If uh, Jason Tatum, obviously they're on the same team, but if he did that forearm into Marcus Smart, he would have been in the crowd. He would have literally been in the stands and probably would have started another altercation. You know what I mean? And then we would have had a more fan conversation. And I'm tired of the fans getting the blame, by the way, because even Jokic is like, there was a fan. Mike Malone's like, it was a fan. No, it was an owner. It was a billionaire. We, we got to start pointing the finger at the billionaires and not blaming the common fan because the more you blame, blame the common fan, they don't want to be there, um, and, and I was they're going to say, "What's more, what's more American than that? Than the than the billionaire getting off, and then the common man taking the taking the brunt of the blame." I right? don't like it. I don't like it. We got to stop it. Um, we all right, fix so we, America, Tate. Yeah. I don't want to try to conquer too much on this pod, but we got to fix America. All right. Well, we're going to do our best. Uh, maybe we can fix American basketball. Maybe that's our start. Um, maybe maybe we 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 start there, and then we go larger. Uh, we can work with Grand Hill. Grand Hill is a good guy. Um, Grant Hill, I think even though he went to the wrong place, he still thinks the right way. So Grant Hill is a Duke person. See, people think I'm just bi biased against Duke. I'm, I'm biased against the Duke brain. And uh, Grant Hill doesn't have that. He's a USA basketball guy. So maybe we start there, Kyle, man, and then we'll go up.
We'll go all the way to the top. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! We got our good guy. We got our bad guy. Let's talk about Calipari, your guy. Um, you love Coach Cal. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he, most of the time, most of the time, a lot of the time, a lot yeah. of the time. But uh, this week there was a story that's circulating. This is great for uh, Cal's brand, obviously. But a uh, cat, Carl Anthony Towns, um, the Wildcat himself, he was in Lexington, I guess, for the Kentucky Derby, and he stayed at Calipari's house. Um, his daughter, John Calipari's daughter, put out a, a little Instagram post, uh, you know, about Cat being there, kind of, you know, documented what was going on. But he said, or she said that uh, Cal was looking like Kramer from Seinfeld um, when Carl Towns came in in the morning and kind of scared him. And then he went back upstairs, put in the hair gel, slicked the hair back, uh, came back downstairs, and Cat said he was looking like Tony Soprano. Um, so just in general, Cal's guy of the week is Carl Anthony Towns. This is a great PR move. Play Cal loves his guys so much that when they come into town, they stay at his house. Um, you're you're in Kentucky territory. You're in the bluegrass state. When you saw this story, did it warm your heart a little bit? Um, were you excited to see it? Did the PR work on you, Kyle, man? You know, I don't know that the PR is as potent as it might have been in the past, uh, just because Carl has had such a weird time and I feel like his like cool rating I think and cool factor within the sport is probably not where it's been at different times I think it's a four right now I think it's a hard four um and I think it you know when he left UK he was probably like a soft eight so he is he has dropped four echelons in coolness yeah it's not good yeah it's not the cool it's not the best and and then you also look into it it's like Cal does have some of his mojo back with like the you know he's he's getting he's doing well on the recruiting front granted he has a lot of kind of personal ties to these players so I'll be interested to see how it goes forward but you know I digress but um you know the potency of it I don't know that it's like I don't know that it's like super super potent you know I think if you had to kind of think back about like I even think a John Wall would probably be more potent, you know. I, mm. I just think you gotta who who would be the most who would be the most potent example of like this guy's so cool, you know. I think that's the thing you got to think of. It's like guys, you know, your your options kind of dictate this a little bit. I think how how cool it is because if you think about somebody like a, like a Shay, let's say Shay's in town and Shay kind of chooses very cosmopolitan guy. He's out there. He's lead, you know, scoring thirty points a game in the NBA. Kids are aspiring to play. You got a very cool style of play, things like that. If Shea chose to stay with Cal, I think it's a little different, isn't it? Then it hits a little harder. I'm not trying to say it was a totally like just impotent, flaccid, you know, PR event, but um, I don't know that it was as cool as it could have been based on Cal's alumni. What do you think? How many people did Calipari reach out to before he landed on Carl Towns? Is my question. You know what I mean? People forget that uh, you know he coached the Dominican Republic team to get Carl Towns, so he is he has gone above and beyond on Carl Towns' behalf before. But I think you make a great point. If Boogie Cousins was at his house, I think I think it's cooler. I really do. I think I think Boogie. Somehow, even Boogie's super- fell in a little bit, f- fallen a little bit, like you know. But it, I, he's still sort of—I mean, he's still cooler than Carl. I'd yeah, say, right. You know? He's still the third best center in the NBA, self-proclaimed. You know what I mean? So at some level, Boogie Cousins is a guy that I I tip my cap to, and I say that's pretty cool. Um, Carl Towns is more like in the Daniel Orton range of cool. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I wow. guess, I guess Daniel Orton is there, um, and he was a first-round pick once upon a time. That's 
That's pretty cool. And that's insane because Carl Towns could be a franchise player. And, you know, what's crazy is that the Timberwolves basically said in their exit interviews that he's not their franchise player. They said <laughs> they're going to build around Anthony Edwards. Um, and that's that's their new thing. That's what they're going to do. I think this was a nice move by Carl Towns. He went on uh, Podcast P's podcast, uh, Paul George, and and tried to, like, get some... Uh, get some conversation going around, you know, the Jimmy Butler situation and things like that. He's, he's doing a press tour. I respect it. I always do because this is what you have to do for your brand. But the one thing I think he has to figure out, this is just from the outside looking in, he's got to figure out the voice. What does he sound like? Who does he like? What? Like sometimes it's deep. Sometimes it's high. Sometimes it's sweet. Sometimes it's, you know, you know what I mean? Oh, like you mean his literal, his literal his tone changes yeah. every time okay. I see him do an interview. Since college, I don't, I don't know who's doing it. I don't know if it's Nike. I don't know if it's Calipari. I, I don't know. You're always quick to, you're always quick to bring Nike and K. Like, Look, could you tie this to K somehow? I mean, like, I don't, maybe K recruited him and said you should speak higher. I don't know. I don't know. I'm asking questions. I'm just telling you, I think he could help his brand a lot if he gets consistent. I think he's got a seemingly a great relationship going. That was a nice move. I think he's kind of weathered the storm a little bit with the Jimmy Butler fallout. You know what I mean? You know, him and Ant have seemingly been close and been friends at times, right? They they had that little meeting with each other where Ant was like, I told Carl just to dominate, and he went out there and dominated, right? That, that was a nice moment. That was a few weeks back. So he's had some moments where it's like, okay, Carl, I think it's, I think it's turning in the right direction. I think it's turning in the right way. You, you know, wins the three-point contest. But then what does he immediately do afterwards? He says he's the best shooting big man ever. It's like, no, Carl, no, 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 that's not assume it. You're saying Dirk. I mean, he's close, but it, I'm, assume, you're, I'm assuming you're going to say Dirk. Of right? course. Yeah. I mean, right. We yeah. all know who the answer is. It's Dirk. But I mean, maybe you could get into the nuance and say Dirk's not a traditional big. He's a he's, you know, kind of a more he's of a, a tall guy than a big guy, you know, but, but yeah. that's just too much nuance for me. And I think if he addresses the voice, even if he put out like a voice memo and said, I apologize over the years, I've been trying to find my voice, but this is my voice. And even if he sounds like goofy, I'll be like, okay, I like that Carl's being authentic. I start a dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, let's start a dialogue, Carl. Let's have a conversation. And then I think we're all going to be on the same page. And then I think we feel better about supporting him. And it's a win-win for everybody. Do you think PR people actually go into that detail? Like I've never talked with like an image consultant. Shocker. Uh, um, I was wondering, do you think that they go into that level of detail? Yes. How your voice sounds? Yes. Do you think they do that? A hundred percent. These these guys are media trained. And there's a lot of guys in Nike's marketing department that are looking at Q scores and saying, Carl, if you had a deeper voice, I think we'd sell more shoes. And Carl's like, I'll go deep. And then the next, and then, and then it doesn't work. <laughs> and then he comes back and you're like, why did he do that? Like, what happened? Like, what was going on? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I think this is a smart move to combine himself and make sure he's connected to Kentucky because it's a huge fan base, if not the biggest fan base in college basketball. It's a smart PR move. And, you know, I like that he was, you know, staying at the house. I like he was joking around with Calipari. I like the Kramer. I like the Soprano. I like, I like all that. It, it's all good stuff. But nail the landing, come back, put out a voice memo and say, this is my voice. And I think he wins. Yeah. I think I think that's yeah. the final move. And we can all pull for him. Maybe his coolness jumps up above five. And, uh, you know, he only took eight threes in college, by the way. He did say that. So that was nice. Oh, I, re- I remember, uh, Tate. I do remember that. I recall that. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's not the end of the world to not be cool. 
I don't know. I've never been cool my whole life and I'm, I'm doing okay. I mean, you know, you, I, you make it, you know, you get by. I think that, you know, cool is obviously subjective and the, the whole idea is just not to be a square. I don't think you're a square. Um, you know, I, I don't think, Thanks, I don't man. think Carl's a square. I just think he's doing square things. Um, and, and I think he just needs to come to the OSP marketing team. We are image consultants. We are brand consultants. I will consult him. I will tell him what he needs to do. Speaking of cool, this guy is sometimes too cool for school. Devin Booker, another one of Cal's guys. He, that one would have been a big one. If Booker had gone, Booker can do anything he wants. He's, you know, it seems like the ladies love him. It's he's, he's just hanging with every he, rappers love him. He, he's intermingling with all levels of culture. And he just, that would have been a big one. If, if book was like, I want to hang with, with the Don with coach Cal. I think that one would have hit the hardest. Yeah. Probably. Old Calipari would have had a situation where, you know how James Harden went to doc and was like, I need to go to Vegas. Like, I just got to get this out of my system. And doc's like, I've seen Dennis Rodman go to Vegas. Go ahead and do it. Even though I'm not sure that's how that conversation actually went. It'd be great if Devin Booker did that with the Kentucky Derby. He's just like in the middle of the playoffs and he's like, sorry, I, I just, Mon Monty, Coach Coach Williams, I, I got to go see Cal. I got to get to Kentucky. I got to go talk to I gotta him. I got to go see about a cow. I got to go see about a cow. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? And, and I think that would have been the best <laughs> thing he could have done. That would have been the coolest thing for Calipari. Everybody wins in the end. Um, but Devin and that leaks mysteriously, you know, that right. story, that's how, that's how you get the, that's how you get the swag back if you're Cal. Right. Yeah. Devin Booker's secret vacation to go visit his college coach who didn't even yeah. start him. You know what I mean? It was the one he, he's kind of has the Michael Jordan, like Dean Smith's the only person that can hold him under 20 points. Right. Calipari's the only person that can hold Devin Booker under 25 points, um, by keeping him on the bench and saying, we run a platoon system here now. Um, so in general, Devin Booker, could have been the guy. Also, Devin Booker, your thoughts quickly. Uh, we're going to get into shout outs here. But uh, how incredible is this? I mean, it, it seems like everyone is on on board that he's the best shooting guard in the league, bar none. Um, you know, that was always a, a conversation of sorts with Clay Thompson. You know, James Harden, I still consider him a shooting guard, even though he kind of plays like that initiator of the offense role. But I, I still compare, com, com, you know, view him as a shooting guard. But what are your thoughts watching Booker? And can he keep doing this? Because uh, he's incredible. He's shooting like 78% from the field right now in this series, which is insane. Uh, yeah, he's, he's having an unbelievable playoffs and we were, you know, Tyler and I were talking about this on Saturday. The, I mean, the point guard, it's sort of just initiator is kind of the word that I'll use sometimes if we're unsure what the actual like kind of position is, mm -hmm. are they a small forward? I mean, cause like, you know, Jokic is a, is a big and he has the ball in his hands a lot. And you're like, is he a point guard? And I'm just like, can we just skip that? He initiates. He's like, he's the person that that triggers their offense. And for, you know, especially now that CP3 is not out there, um, he's got the ball in his hands a lot more, a lot. His usage rate is up and things like that. But, um, you know, because he's averaging almost seven and a half assists during these playoffs, 36.8 points. We, I made the point on Saturday that his, his shooting percentage from three was 48.9. It's up to 51 now, folks. He just keeps climbing. He just he's like he, it's like machine learning. I feel like Devin Booker is like a playoff AI right now that that just can't be stopped. And it's like has to be maddening for 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 Denver right now. Like, what, what are you going to do? It's like, surely this guy will regress and cool off at some point. He's just been unbelievable, man. And a lot of it is like, you know, the threes are, are, are amazing, like five point seven. But he's doing it in that old school slot score way like that old that because he's a Kobe disciple, as we know. But the dribble pull up game, man, it's like. 
it's the it's the Walter White uh, Jesse Pinkman thing. Like, how does he keep getting away with this? How does he keep mm. doing it? It seems predictable, and yet it's unstoppable somehow. Yeah, I feel like right now, and I put this out uh, about a week ago. I think the starting five of Team USA, as it currently stands, Steph Curry, point guard. Devin Booker shooting guard, Jimmy Butler at small forward, Kevin Durant at the four, that stretch four role, and Anthony Davis at the five. I think if you put out that lineup as Team USA, we beat any other country right now, and I'm happy about it. I cheer for them. I pull for them. Curry, Booker, maybe you need a guy off the bench that kind of helps that defensive intensity. Plenty of options there. Um, even a Davion Mitchell, maybe, maybe that's a, a bit of a jump for him, but like, but I like Booker a, guards his ass off though. Right. That's the thing too. It's like, he's gotten a lot better defensively, um, over the years. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's not afraid to get into defensive stance, <laughs> which we love. Um, all right. So I, this is before we get moved to shout outs. I have one thing and, and well, yeah, would it be Kyle's guy? I think it wouldn't be just shout outs. Would it be? Oh, Kyle's we're gonna guy. Bring, we're going to bring back the, okay. Bring back the thing and you're I'm, tossing my I didn't shit know in the you trash. Had a guy. I don't want to throw it at you. I mean, Do you have a guy. It's the, I mean, you ha- I have to have a young buck. You have to have a guy. I have to have a He's guy. He's been on it lately. I have to have a guy. Um, and I just want to be going forward. I think we will be keeping Kyle's guy, just in case everybody was wondering out yes. there, mom. Okay. You um, have you have Kyle's guy. That is okay. your segment. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Um, <laughs> so uh it's it's Jordan Dingle again, only because um I I went through eight pages of college basketball news. It's all Bronny James. All you guys who are on page seven and eight of Google, why are you even writing this story? Nobody's going to read it. They're clicking the the Bronny James stuff on the first page. Maybe they'll click the Trojan Wire thing. But whoever you are on page seven, eight, nine, ten, nobody's clicking that. And you're just mucking up at people who actually want other college basketball news. That being said, Jordan Dingle, he is working out with the Hawks today as we speak. Uh, good for him. Yeah, shout out to Jordan Dingle. Um, there is a world in which Dingo and Mbako, who is now the number eight player in the class, end up with Rick Pitino at St. John's. God damn it. That'd and, be awesome. uh, yeah, baby. And everyone will be fired up about that, myself included. We are a Rick Pitino, a pro Rick Pitino show here, as everybody knows at this point. So, and Rick's working hard in the portal. I mean, Eric Musselman's working overtime, but Rick Pitino, he's right in the fourth quarter and he's doing what he needs to do to get it done in crunch time. So we know what that is. Uh, the last thing for you, Kyle, man, this is my guess the narrative. I love this segment. I did it with Lombardi. I'm adopting it. No one else does it, but guessing the narrative and you're going to have two options. And I want to see, uh, you know, based on these two options, which one you think is more realistic at this point. All right. Number one option, the Warriors get down three to one to LeBron James and the Lakers and then come back and win the series. That is option number one. Guess the narrative. Curry gets redemption for the 3-1 2016 loss, gets one back over LeBron, and the Warriors move on, and they end up winning the championship. All right, that's option one. Option two, guessing the narratives. That is that is ahead. The bubble, obviously, has been called a Mickey Mouse title. It has been called, you know, many things along the years, right? It, it doesn't count. It, is there a world in which we get the Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA Finals, and we get a bubble rematch, and it validates the 2020 championship and says, see, these are both title teams. Guessing the narrative, which which one is more plausible and which one do you think is more possible to happen moving forward? Is it the bubble rematch, or is it Curry and the Warriors come back from 3-1? Uh Man, I, the the comeback, I would say, I would lean towards that being more likely just because the Heat, I mean, the Heat are probably more like what they were in 2020 than than the Lakers. I mean, aside from the, you know, the the LeBron AD thing, so many of the pieces around them are different now. And those, you know, those players have kind of moved on. I would say the comeback is more likely. I think that that would be, but you consider like the things that kind of uh, went wrong for the Warriors that, 
it makes you wonder like what would have to go wrong for the Lakers to sort of make it have like a cosmic symmetry, right? I know mm-hmm. you're all about the you're all about that 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 kind of narrative stuff. I don't know what that would necessarily be. Uh, I would I would lean towards the former. I th- I, th- I feel like the comeback is probably more likely. The Heat may come back and frozen take me and and, uh, and make me look like a fool for saying that. But uh, and if if those two teams did play again, I mean, I feel like the Lakers would win again. I, I don't know that the Heat could beat the Lakers. I'm yeah, not sure. That's why I don't want it to happen. You know what I mean? I like Miami. I love the storyline. I love the way that Jimmy Butler is playing with such a moxie and confidence. And you know, we have uh, you know Julius Randle and Cody Zeller. What a, what a shocking uh, matchup that was. Uh, they get in a little bit of a scuffle, and then Jimmy Butler takes the ball, starts spinning it around his hands like he's in Space Jam and is, like, smiling to the crowd. It's 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 kind of devious at some level, um, and, and that makes me scared because I feel like he thinks he's going to go win a championship. But you're right. If they play AD and LeBron um, and D'Lo playing like this, I just don't see Miami beating them. So I hope that we get a Warriors. If, if, if one of those has to happen, the Warriors' redemption would be fun. Can I ask you something? Um, Jimmy Butler in Madison Square Garden during that game that he sat out with the, with the ankle injury. I pointed this out on Twitter and I was like, you know, it, it, Jimmy was like waving at the end of that game. He was like waving at the fans, like clearly openly, like not even trying to avoid interact. Like he was like looking at these fans in the front, these Knicks fans and and like intentionally going out of his way to wave at them for a long time. Is Jimmy in that territory of don't look at him like is you know MJ was one of those ones MJ notoriously uh, infamously was like um, around the league they were like just don't talk to this dude there was that there's that story with like JR Ryder and KG where JR knew MJ was just playing ball keeping his head down playing well KG comes in starts saying stuff and JR Ryder I'm sure I'm assuming you've seen this yeah clip. of course yeah J- it's great J- JR is like what are you doing is it's Jimmy in that territory where you like you just you kind of leave him alone and just kind of hope he beats himself. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one other wrinkle that I was told, a source story about, you know, Jimmy, the the conversation, right, about him ripping off the the Wolves in his T-shirt and shorts and then beating the starters with the second team, right? That's a big story we've all heard multiple times. The other part of the story that I don't think has ever been out there that I got sourced was the day before Jimmy did that and came and destroyed the starters, he sat up uh, apparently above the practice gym. There's kind of like a, a glass conference room. And he didn't practice the day before, but he stood up in the conference room and watched the entire practice with his arms crossed. So the entire time Jimmy Butler was standing, watching practice, not practicing, obviously the coach Tibbs would like him to be practicing because he is on the team, but instead he stood up in the conference room and just looked down on everyone. Very Michael Jordan-esque, right? This seems like a Jordan story um, that we would hear. And apparently he was just brewing or you're stewing, whatever you want to call it. He was just standing well, up there getting, brewing, ready, stewing, yeah, you know? <laughs> get, getting ready to bust everybody's ass the next day. Um, and also probably trying to figure out what they were running. And, uh, and then he came in and did that. Yeah. Don't talk to Jimmy Butler, especially if he has like an aloe hat on. Um, I feel like that's like uh, his way to kind of be docile. You're like, is this guy listening to country music and, and wearing an aloe hat? He can't be that scary. And then he is an absolute monster. Um, he kind of gets you off guard and then dominates you. And when when teams double Jimmy Butler, he laughs. You know, there's that clip yeah. of Devin Booker and pickup, and he's like, "We don't double and pick up." You double Jimmy Butler anytime he thinks that's funny. He's like, "Yeah, you better double me every single time." And then he finds yeah. the open player, and we all move on. But um, he's uh he's probably the closest to Jordan we have right now uh, as far as the mentality. Um, yeah. you know, not, not necessarily his play, but the mentality. In fact, I feel like Jimmy Butler's career, if you want to do like a grading scale, it was like Jimmy was a B, a solid B. Then he was a B plus. Then he was an A minus. And you felt like, oh, wow, he's kind of reached his ceiling. 
And then he was an A when he goes to the finals. You're like, wow, Jimmy Butler is an A player. And now I'm like, is, is Jimmy Butler an A-plus player? Is Jimmy, is Jimmy Butler one of those ones? Uh, is he him? Is he he? Uh, I don't know. But uh, he, he's right in that conversation. So I think you're right. Don't talk to Jimmy Butler. That's a good rule for everybody. Don't talk to him. Just don't make him eye alone. contact. Yeah, just leave him alone. You know, some games, you know, there's there's the games worth playing and the ones not worth playing. And I think, you know, you're playing basketball. Focus on that. Don't play. Don't play that game with with Jimmy just because uh, you want him. You want him to maybe not focus on you. You want just I don't know. He's just one of those guys I I personally wouldn't instigate. But you don't want to be afraid of him on the court. Take it to him on the court. But the 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 extra stuff I would just avoid if I if I were if, if I'm were Jimmy Butler the next time I'm in, in in MSG I go up to Howard Stern and say how's it going Howard you know what I mean that's the move remember you see Howard Stern was upset the players don't talk to him I think Jimmy does that wanna, and then he freaks out all the New York people you want to talk about you want to talk about like a nothing gold can stay situation like a like an Ozymandias type thing the reading the replies to the Howard Stern story was like one of the ultimate like. Whatever you accomplish in this life, whatever level you ascend to in your field, you're gonna get forgotten. Cause those those comments, man, Howard Stern, I mean, he's the, the biggest radio personality in the history of the medium, like the most successful. And you talk about people who are like our age and older, it's like he's a legend. And then to read those comments where the people were like, No one knows who you are. I was just like, it's just a it's a reminder that, like, you know, enjoy your career, but uh, you know, you're gonna, you know, you're going to get forgotten at some point. I just, I was, that was a very sobering story to read for me. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. It's also a reminder that 90% of Twitter is 12 year olds and, uh, and, true. and 12 year olds are mean. Also. They're mean as shit. That's so every time that you're about to argue with someone, just remember it's probably a 12 year old or a 30 year old who thinks he's still 12. You know what I mean? It's one or the other and they're going to be mean as shit and they don't know who Howard Stern is. And even if they do, they're not going to admit that. So, um, the haters are going to hate. That's for sure. <laughs> like the, That's what Twitter has taught all of us in this world. Also true. Also true. <laughs> I tried to make this big, big broad point, but I think t- what Tate said is true. Also haters are going to hate. They're going to hate. They're going to hate. All right, let's get the shout outs. Uh, we got a, we got, we got a slew of them to go through. I'll start yeah. here. Uh, you're in Kentucky. The Kentucky Derby was this weekend. Uh, pretty shocking finish there. Um, but the Blue Bloods were at the Kentucky Derby, Kyle, man. Well, uh, we got Armando Baycott. We got Hunter Dickinson. We got R.J. Davis. And we got your boy, the big O, Oscar Sheboy, um, who it looks like, by all accounts, is probably coming back to U.K., but not confirmed yet. Uh, we'll see what happens. He's still testing the waters. But those four guys, I'm calling them the four horsemen, uh, obviously, because they're at the Kentucky Derby. But w- what did you read into this picture, if anything? And then we can quickly hit on Hunter Dickinson's video. Uh, these guys just, um, I, I, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just older college guys enjoying having money, I guess, at the track. I mean, I'm sure we were joking that like, uh, Drew Timmy is probably, you know, on a zoom call just off, off camera, you know, he's furious that he's not there, uh, jealous, um, you know, I don't. These guys are all old enough to rent cars and drink legally, so I'm sure they're, you know, more power to them having fun at the Derby. They're having fun at the Derby. It is the definition of the NIL slash bag era that all these guys are just wearing suits at the Kentucky Derby, betting on horses. Um, This is something that UK, you know, made famous back in the day. They would get recruits like a Moses Malone, right? They would take him to the horse race and they'd say, oh, yeah, here's your winning ticket. Go cash it. And you're like, I didn't bet on anything. And then you go cash your ticket and then next race comes and, you get another winning ticket. You go cash your ticket, and then all of a sudden you're like, "I guess I want to commit to Kentucky." Um, great times. Hey, don't hate on us for being creative. <laughs> Tate, you know, 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. That's why Petito's my guy. Um, all right. So shout out to those guys for being there. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, we we're going to take the shout out back because this video, um, and look, I Hunter did a great job headline hunting uh, this offseason. Thought he, thought he did a really good job of ge- getting people to listen to his podcast, all these things, all tip of the cap respect. But whoever edited this, edited this video kind of did him dirty. Did you see this video? Did you watch this video? And what was your takeaway other than Bill Self is hilarious? Great acting work from Bill Self. It's it's probably just, I would say, like 25 to 30% probably overproduced would be just what I would say because, <laughs> you know, the it, it opens with the stage scene and we get some Oscar-worthy stuff. It kind of, I know you love Penny, but it kind of reminded me of the, the Penny Hardaway blue chip scene that's like, uh, if I drop out of school, well, my mom would lose her house. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of, it, it was kind of that level of acting. It was like just barely, you know, barely acting, which whatever, that's fine. Hunter getting some shots up, you know, gets a phone call, uh, decides he's going to get in the car and go explain. Um, the second sequence I thought where he's in the car, just talking to the camera came off great. I thought it was natural. He, we were trying to figure out what that logo was on the steering wheel. Kyle seemed really disgusted that it might be an electric Mustang. Uh, did we ever it- get any kind of, yeah. I, I think confirmed electric Mustang, right? I mean, I Googled it and it, it looks like an electric Mustang. It looks like they flipped the they flipped the logo where it's going down instead of up. So shout out to Hunter Dickinson trying to save the environment. So, I mean, maybe that was a good play brand wise. Yeah. I, I, it may, well, or was his wheel upside down? I don't know. I just couldn't the <laughs> angle of the horse on there. I wasn't quite sure if it was uh, if it was. Uh, but. Yeah, so that part I thought was pretty was pretty good, and then they cut to him walking into the hotel or meet me in the ballroom. I don't know where they're meeting up. They're meeting up at like a Marriott, and they're like the only two. Did they reserve the room? Hey, meet me in this room, and we're all just gonna. It was an odd setup. So they walk in, and then you know him and Bill self dap and everything. Um, but I mean, the the best part of it is like, and then the, there's a glass breaking thing at the end of it, and then it, it just the tone of it was kind of all over the place where I felt like they probably could have kept it pretty chill and just had him talk to the camera, and I think that that would have been the best move. Yeah, I think in the car was where it should have started and maybe where it ends. Maybe he, <laughs> maybe he, uh, maybe he pulls up and Bill, he rolls down the window and Bill Self is like, you know, at a McDonald's or something. Get it, and gives loser. him a bag of cash, you know, or something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that would have been incredible. They're going through, yeah, you're, you get his PO, or like you get the front-facing camera at him, and you see, yeah, and he's coming through the drive-thru, makes his order. And then, you know, Bill Self is wearing the McDonald's visor and he's like, you know, and here's your and he opens the bag and it's, you know, full of cash. That would be an incredible. Right. Yeah, that'd be incredible. That would be great. And and Bill Self standing in a ballroom and then being like, what's going on, Hunter? Funny to run into you here. <laughs> this you know, empty yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, like what? <laughs> like you didn't think he was going to commit to you uh, when you were standing in this empty ballroom. Um, yeah, it was a lot of uh, dramatics that I think were unnecessary, but, you know, great for Kansas. Right. I mean, it kind of shows that if Bill Self wants you, Bill Self is going to get you. And that's just kind of uh, the reality of college basketball at this point. So shout out to Bill Self. Shout out to Hunter Dickinson. I'm excited to see Kansas. They're now preseason number one um, for a lot of people. So who know, who knew that Hunter Dickinson could move the needle at that level? I'm impressed by that. Um, shout out to Paolo Bancaro. Talking about moving the needle, moving past things. He was at the Formula One race in Miami this weekend. And uh, he ran into our guy Martin Brundle, who last year... Did not know who he was, um, obviously, because he got destroyed by Carolina in the Final Four. So maybe that, that's why. Maybe it was a little dig there. But he wins Rookie of the Year in the NBA. And uh, now everybody knows him. Him and Brundle have a nice little interview with each other. He says, I really respect what you do. You're great at what you do. This is Paolo talking to Brundle, uh, which is very kind of him. And uh, 
Palo's redemption arc. Not reciprocated, arc. right? Yeah, right. It was a great redemption arc. I feel like he he kind of won us back over. Like Palo's back in the zeitgeist again. Yeah, I was I was curious. Do you think uh do you think F one like the was this a championship race? The what the what the one he was at or what was what race was this? Oh, I know like nothing the about it. Fourth that. race of the year, buddy. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm literally from zero. No, nothing. I, w- I was just curious if F1 maybe at some point could usurp the Derby and kind of become the new celebrity destination. It feels like we're well on our way, right? Yeah. I mean, I saw Vin Diesel was there. Uh, <laughs> the, whole, the whole Fast and Furious was doing a just painstaking uh, promotion for, uh, for Tom Fast Cruise X. was changing tires. Brad Pitt was racing in a Formula One car, like separate of the Formula One cars for a movie that he's in where he's a Formula One driver. I didn't, I had, I, had, I, it was a lot going on. Kevin Clark and Megan Schuster were there. Shout out to them. So we had some ringer boots on the ground coverage, but uh, yeah, it, it was all celebrities. They were everywhere. I feel like the Derby, Jack Harlow kind of killed it last year. You know what I mean? Like he, he made like that it's video. over. Yeah. He made were that video like, with Drake. I think, it peaked. I think it peaked with, with what was it? What was the name? Churchill Downs, right? That was the song. I don't know. Yeah. I don't either. But uh, in general, that was the peak. Well, I mean, one of the major pluses, I think, about F1, if they did kind of want to culturally, we wanted to move is like if you get a flat tire, you know, we're not going to kill anyone, you know, like, it, right. you know, that, that's one of the positives, I think, about the about the F1 as opposed to horse racing. You know, it's just kind I of I mean, going thing. into the race, there were like four horses that had, dry, you know, had, had unfortunately passed six. away. Six. Yeah. Six. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that tough, is insane. I, I've never heard of that in my life. And maybe that's because they keep it under wraps. But yeah. What, what is that? An insurance thing? Like what? uh is that like uh, the equivalent of arson for horses or something? I have no. You maybe you're right. They might have insurance policies on these horses. Like they're like four million dollars. You think or before the race, you don't know how much actually that horse is worth because yeah, who knows what they would have done at the race? Just thinking again. This just is all. Out loud. This is all parody, and you cannot sue us uh, for just, saying any of this. Thinking out loud. This is all parody law. But yeah, that was wild. I don't know how it works, but all I know is that I didn't feel good about it when I was watching it after all those news stories. Um, but shout out to Mage uh, that won. You know what I mean? That Great. was that was kind of a shocker. Shout out to Cousin Sal, by the way, who picked Mage to win uh, in one of his winners. Uh, I thought Kyle's guy this week would be Swaggy Pool. We were at the game, like I said, game three. Jordan Pool, Kevin O'Connor's with us. Kevin O'Connor famously said on Through the Ringer that Jordan Pool was quote not a good basketball player, no wiggle room, not a good basketball player at the moment. But he said in general, not a good basketball player, which I loved because. I knew the aggregators were going to love it. Um, Jordan Poole is struggling, but Kyle, you were fighting for Jordan Poole's legacy at this game. You were saying he is a good player. He <laughs> he, he he has done great things in his past, and uh, I was shocked he was not Kyle's guy of the week. So shout out to Swaggy Poole, but also not enough to get his own segment. Right, Kyle? Right. I, you know, that game, it was, again, yeah, it was a really long day. <laughs> I woke up in the Uber. At the, the guy was like, hey, you're here, man. And I was like, okay, to get home. So... <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was I was good in the game, but at the end, I realized just how how much I was fighting to stay awake and and uh, and you know just aware. So um, great time at the game, but again, it was a long day. I don't actually remember that either. Um, but uh, it was a I great moment ever... because there was a Warriors fan sitting over there, and he wasn't saying anything. But as Kyle was arguing about the validity of why Jordan Poole is still a good player, this Warriors fan was like nodding along. You know what I mean? As if Kyle <laughs> was, was like, arguing with Gosling. Kevin. He, no, he was like, I was just, I just said out loud, like to Kevin, kind of in jest, like not a good basketball player, you know. And Kyle stepped yeah. in and was like, "Don't you dare say that about Swaggy <laughs> oh, Pool! Don't you dare say that about Swaggy Pool!" And then this other guy, this Warriors fan, who's wearing a Curry jersey, is like, "Yes, yes, correct." <laughs> 
Correct. Right. Right. Facts. Facts. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, doing the thing time. where you're you're hearing the conversation, but you're not participating in it, but you're yes. nodding. Yes. Yeah, it, okay. it was very congregational. Like you know what I mean? It was very church. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> sure. Kyle was preaching and this man was like, yes, yes. The gospel was being spoken over there. Nice to see. Um, so Swaggy Pool still got love at the ringer. Uh, he may not have it from certain people, but he's got it from producer Kyle. Um, that's a fact. Uh, another shout out. Shout out to Hubie Brown. Um, Hubie Brown called Always. the Miami Heat game. Um, he's the best, and I I just can't believe it still works. I, I saw that. I think it was Varia wrote a piece on him um, mm -hmm. about how he's still doing it at this age. But Hubie Brown, like, in the world of basketball, when it, when it comes to clinicians, there are two that are at the top all time. It's Chuck Taylor, who is that Chuck Taylor from Converse, and he was the first one to kind of do clinics. And then there's Hubie Brown. Those are the two clinics that are like, they're on their own pantheon. It's not a Mount Rushmore. It's his own thing. Uh, they are literally on Mount Olympus of basketball. So just shout out to him. I think it's incredible. He does a great job keeping fans engaged. And, uh, you know, you and I are a sucker for Hubie Brown anytime. Pete, what about like Pete Newell's big man camp? I mean, that's another one too, right? Would that be up there in the pantheon? That, that's probably in the pantheon as well. We, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what's going on. But yeah, that's that's got to be up there. Man, I we I, we're all about kind of like you know I love vintage gear. I love finding like old camp shirts and things like that. If I could ever get a Pete Newell's Big Man Camp T-shirt, I'm sure they'd all be too big for me because it's all big guys, you know, seven footers. But that's that's a grail for me. I don't mm. even know if they had shirts, but maybe I'll make one. I don't know. That's uh, that's up there. But yeah, shout out to Hubie. Uh, you, I I was telling uh, I was telling some of our ringer NBA people I I actually will like ride around in my car and pretend to be Hubie Brown and just talk about players uh, you know and then uh, it's uh, it's he's he's a, a treasure you know led led uh, Kentucky to their their only uh, professional basketball championship you know yeah back in the day a legend a legend and uh, another legend uh, in the world Ray Allen he graduated I from saw UConn. That. Uh, that, so yeah. shout out to Ray Allen. I love when guys graduate. I'm a sucker for it. A lot of people talk bad about Vince Carter, about like what if, what could have been. Don't get mad about a guy going to graduate. It's still an important thing. I think it's uh, it's something that doesn't get discussed enough in the world of college basketball. Yes, we like talking about the bag. Yes, it's fun. But also, if they graduate, they get the degree. It's a 40-year decision, right? That's the pitch always. So shout out to Ray Allen. I, I thought that was a nice moment. And one of like the old throwback college basketball moments we don't get as much these days Speaking of UConn, they will be playing Carolina in the Jimmy V Classic at MSG this year. Date is not determined yet, but I have to go to that game. I might just have to go to New York for like a month um, in December and just go to uh, a, you know a Patino Bowl, uh, go to this game, the Jimmy V Classic, and just hang out in New York because it's Patino's world and we're just living in it. Uh, Kyle, man, will you come to New York and watch this game with me? Is that even a question? I mean, oh, is that even a question? Yes. Just make yes, sure. I'll do that. We get up there, maybe do a little live show. What do right. you think? We got an, is there is there enough of a of a big East presence up there that's uh that would come to something like that? I'd be down. Let's I, do it. I think so. And I think one guy that will come to it is Brady Dunlap, who is Bill Simmons' favorite player in college basketball. He's going to play for St. John's. He went to high school up the road from where I live at Harvard Westlake. And Brady Dunlap, um, already in controversy, <laughs> marred in controversy, because he put out a TikTok video of him dancing, and uh, the internet was taking it and running with it. We just want to say, Brady, we're Team Brady. Um, we will not be flapped. Um, we will not let the haters win. What was it, just cringy? Is that it, what it, was? it was cringy. Okay. It was cringy. It was, uh, you know, but I mean, these kids, they're just out there dancing. You know what I mean? That's what they do. They're TikTok <laughs> kids. That's what, that's what they've been taught. But a lot of people were upset about this. They're like, he better be able to shoot 50% from three and all this sort of stuff. 
So Brady Dunlap. You better stop your dancing ass and shoot 50% <laughs> right, from three, the, buddy. Yeah, the Johnny's yeah. fans were coming at his neck already. Uh, they're showing why they're New Yorkers. Uh, <laughs> Maybe slow down, yeah. Maybe slow down. There's, Brady been a lot Dun- of, there's been a lot of lecturing New Yorkers about what, what to say to players on this pod. I don't mean to do that, but yeah, I mean, uh, let's, let's, you know, maybe ease into it. St. John's, we're trying to get back. Let him be himself. Let's see the results before we start talking about, you know, what he needs to be doing and not doing. Maybe he's an awesome shooter, and then that dancing is going to get super endearing, you know? Yeah, right. Of course. Uh, another big story, the transfer portal, four days left before it closes again. So we got a lot of, you know, guys declaring at the last minute right now, a lot of tampering going on. But uh, Matthew Cleveland, this is the biggest one uh, outside of Dickinson, obviously, who goes to Kansas. We haven't talked since then. But Matthew Cleveland commits the... Miami, a Florida State guy, so he kind of you know commits like an ACC ACC treason. Um, this guy goes from Leonard Hamilton's group to go play for Coach L. Laranega. He not only you know did this, but a few months ago he had a game winner against uh, Miami and then did the U down. So this is probably the first player ever to throw the U down and then end up playing for the U. Um, shout out to Miami; they're they're winning the portal yet again. This is a big piece for them. Um, and Matthew Cleveland's a really good player, former five-star guy. So nice pickup. Um, and then last shout out, and this is a, this is a good one. The last show I did like a little rambled point about Curry and Nike and what was going on there. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to get in too much detail, but I was just trying to get it out there that we see it. You know what I mean? We're aware. We know what's going on. Uh, it goes all the way to the top. Like I said, I had a friend of mine who works at Nike reach out to me. He listened to the show. Um, he said it was funny. Um, but also it's not happening. He said that, that that was not a decision. He said the Warriors made the decision to wear black in game one. <laughs> liar. <laughs> liar. He's a liar. Release um, the papers. I, I don't believe him for a second. Show us an internal memo. Right. That, and know, it confirms show- to me that Nike's worried that, that the message is getting out there. Um, I will not stop. I will not stop talking. They will not silence me. Um, and also Draymond, I talked about the LeBron narrative that Draymond is pushing. He literally went on his podcast this week and said that Steph Curry said to him, I don't know how we're going to stop LeBron. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's up to. This is a different LeBron. All PR. These are all talking points sent in a memo, like you said, from Nike. Um, and I see it and it's right in my face and I won't be silenced. Um, so you waging war on Nike is no, I I am a Nike guy. I'm not waging war. I'm waging war against the narratives. I'm over it. They're coming at us. They're trying to make us, uh, you know, view things in a certain way, and I won't do it. Um, it won't happen here on this show. So shout out to Nike for listening to the show, but also you're wrong. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, any shout outs from UConn, man? That's all I got. I think you covered it, Tate. That was so. That- Wow, you got a shout out from the dog. Too. Look at that. Shout out, shout out, Boogie, my dog, named after Boogie Cousins. Um, shout out to him. Um, but no, I think I think you covered it pretty thoroughly there. Yeah, I think a third best dog in all of Kentucky right there, along with the third best center in all the NBA, right? Uh, maybe the first best oh, dog. Oh, he's number one. He's number one. Sure. You're right. So maybe oh, Cousins yeah. is number one in the NBA. We'll see. Um, this has been One Shining Podcast. Kyle, man, thanks so much. That was a lot of fun. A lot of big topics covered. Kyle's guy is Jordan Dingle still. So that's good. That's an update. I love that. Um, that's all we got for today. We will be back on Thursday with Kenny Smith, who is uh, in the media right now. Had some TMZ photos taken. I got his new book, Talk of Champions. Great just, time to have him on. Great time to have him on. Uh, just read the book. Uh, some great stories in there about his jealousy for Scottie Pippen. 
Um, I'm going to ask him about what you brought up uh, with our, you know, who could, who would have won in 94, 95 if Jordan doesn't oh, retire baby. in the sliding doors moment. We'll get into all that. So Kenny Smith coming on the jet. That's going to be a fun show. Uh, again, this is One Shining Podcast. Thanks to Kyle Mann. Thanks to producer Kyle. Thanks to everybody listening. And we will see you on Thursday. Thursday.